being an expert on general automotive knowledge, what would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a full barrel carburetor? It is a trick question. Watch this. Because Chevy didn't make a 327 in 55. The 327 didn't come out till 62. And it wasn't offered in the Bel Air with a four barrel carb till 64. However, in 1964, the correct ignition timing would be four degrees before top dead center. Get ready for another hour of Drive Radio, brought to you by Colorado Select Auto Care Centers. Got a question for the experts? Then give them a call, 303-477-5600. Now it's time to pop the hood and get our hands dirty. Drive Radio on KLZ 560, The Source. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Again, appreciate you all joining us today. Kurt Rogers, again, who was with us that first uh well, last half hour, I should say. Great guy. If you need anything when it comes to the mortgage into things, give Kurt a call, one of our great sponsors. And you can call him at 720-895-0500. Myself, Jeff Kitty, Larry Unger, and Charlie Grimes. And lines are open. Give us a call, 303-477-5600. Anything you've got question-wise, let us know. Question of the day, which we've gotten a lot of answers on Facebook on. And I appreciate that. Call us and give us what those are as well, though. Before you started driving, what was your dream car? Did you ever get it? Are you still dreaming? And or did that car that you got turn out to be a nightmare? Eric, you're up next. What's going on? Hey, John. Hey, uh, a couple weeks ago, you uh, were talking about something, and I want to comment here on it. And I also have another sacrilegious comment i got to make. Sure. Um, a couple weeks ago, you were talking about, about trucks not be, shouldn't be in the left lane. Semis? And we, Yeah, about yeah. semis being in the left lane. And, you know, as a truck driver, here's my thought on it. If you have a truck that's set up properly... And has and is not governed at a ridiculously stupid slow speed. You can play in the left lane all day, all you want, because most of the guys who do actually know what they're doing. The bigger is the bigger problem as to who should not be playing in the left lane are the weekend towers yep. and on pod kettle in their yep. RV. Yep, yep. They are ten times more the problem than the semi is. Yep. Not arguing that one. Oh. And by the and by the way, yeah. Eric, I would also add to that the less experienced truck drivers that don't meet what you just said, which there are those out there as well. Swift. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I didn't well, name that name. Fun. You yeah. did. You did, you Jeff. Know what? They're all over the place. <laughs> you know what? If your truck is governed at less than seventy five at less than seventy five miles an hour, you need to stay out of the left lane. I agree. That's, I agree. That's well, and Eric, I'm gonna to add to that as well. Also, depending upon the type of load that you are carrying or not carrying, I think plays into that as well. I mean, I've got a policy in my company with all of the you know different trucks, and we're not we're not semis. We're you know we're just hauling you know you know regular truck and trailer and so on. But you know, my guys are not supposed to be in the left lane. Period. I just I don't want them going that fast. They don't need to be over there. Period. Well, I mean, obviously you've never played with cattle haulers, so <clears throat> go 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 play in some places on eighty or forty or and whatnot. 25 up in Wyoming, some of these areas with cattle haulers, and I mean, loaded cattle trucks 85, 90 miles an hour because those cows got places to be. You know, that's just the way it is. I understand. Um, I still think it, I'll still say this. I think that's yeah. too fast. Well, and I'm a yeah, fast, and I'm a I mean, fast driver, but that's too fast for what they're doing. It's too much yeah. weight, too much load. In that case, too much stuff shifting around. It's too fast. I don't care what anybody says. It's too fast. Yeah, it's, you know, it's. And there are times where I would agree with you, and I've seen guys that it's like, eh, you know, he needs to slow down because he obviously doesn't have the experience. And I've seen guys 
Dylan, that, that you know, you you would swear they were cruising down the road in a, in a car because they're so smooth with the way they're doing it, and yeah. you wouldn't even know they were loaded that heavy. Understand? Yeah, you know, that's the whole experience. Yeah, so and again, and, and by the way, my my biggest complaint too, Eric, isn't out on the open road. You know, I that I can handle. Guys need to get places. I get that. I'm talking the guys in town, uh-huh. and a lot of it is box vans, cube vans, you know, commercial vehicles. I'm not even t- most. It's not always truckers. It's the commercial vehicles that evidently don't understand what the left lane is for, even on I-25 or 225, that get there and park and then drive under the speed limit. Yeah, if, if they're driving under the speed limit, that's that's one thing. I mean, when I'm rolling through town, going from you know Aurora to Golden or whatever, or I get across town, I'm going to be in the left lane, but I'm going with the flow of traffic because generally the left lane is moving faster. Right. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, and, you know, and there are guys where I see it, and it's, it, I see that, and it's, it annoys the hell out of me. And you know, I I intentionally don't have a CB in the in the truck anymore because number one, I got tired of the BS that I was listening to. Yeah. But sometimes it's a good way to to start road rage. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. But, no, I, I. And by the way, I, uh, why why somebody and, and to your point, Eric, it's not just. I mean. There's just general cars that get in the left lane. It's like, people, what are you doing? If you're going to be in this lane, you have to drive, or you're going to create problems. Get out of this lane if you're not going to yeah. drive. Yeah, well, it's and it's getting worse. I, I, I agree. Think. No, I, I agree. It is. It's uh, getting worse. You're right. I'm, I'm starting. I, I hate tourist season, <laughs> and, you know, here in, you know, and it's already starting. Yeah, no, Eric, and, you bring up a great know, point. My, my complaint heading especially westbound on Friday nights – Coming out of the station, going home, are the skiers that come in that then park in the left lane, and you know they're from out of town because I can tell it's a rental car and how it's yeah. packed and so on. And, yeah, frankly, they shouldn't be there because they don't know how to drive. Well, but here, here's the thing what I was saying as far as the weekend towers. So, you know, it used to be six months out of the year you dealt with the idiots going to, to McConaughey. Right. <clears throat> now it's year-round. You have the idiots yeah. Yeah. who leave on Thursday heading to Moab with their side-by-side, yep. who have no idea what yep. they're doing. Yep. And it's, you You're know, right. and I see it every weekend. I Thursday, do, too. Friday, it seems like I go to Grand Junction quite a bit, hauling loads over there Thursdays and Fridays, it seems, and you see them. And Thursday morning, about 6 a.m., you see them all start heading out, yep. and a lot of them are camped in the left lane yep. at exactly the speed limit. And it's like, why? And it's like, why are you there? Move. Get out of that yeah. lane. And you go cruising by the state troopers sitting in the median who are who are busy reading. Yeah, their, don't get me started uh, on that one, Eric. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, but anyhow, so no, we're on the same I'm page. A, Appreciate that. Yeah, we're I, on the same page. I, I want I want to make a bit of a sacrilegious comment here. Sure. <clears throat> and, and and I'm going and it's probably going to light your phone lines up and might even light you up too. The new full size Bronco. So Ford is road testing a couple of them here in Colorado. There are at least three of them that I have seen. There is one that's kind of a cement gray with a set of steelies on it. I've seen it up on up in the mountains a couple of times. I'm sorry, it does absolutely nothing for me. And in all honesty, the one that I saw cut a couple holes in the roof and put some w- windows in there, and you have a, a series two defender because that's what it looks like. Yeah, they do. They, no, they look a lot like a defender. In, in the in as far as I'm concerned, the Bronco Sports look like an element. <laughs> Yeah, they yeah. They, but I, I, I see them, and I'm like, I, I don't see what the everybody's bouncing up and down about because uh, I'm sorry, it, it just it doesn't look that good. No, I mean I think it's more of the 
capabilities and some of the things that they're putting on it, you know, coming right out of the factory, you know, large tires, the ability to, you know, go you know, rock crawling and do things with it without too many modifications. I think that's where it's getting a lot of claim to fame. I, I'm like you. I mean, I, it's great. It's nice. Um, I would have bought one of the first editions just because I think the price would have been there where you could have flipped it and made some money on it, but that would have been the only reason to do it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, like I say, I just, I, I, the ones I've seen, uh, I, now to their credit, uh, that snowstorm we had two weeks ago, um, the hit on that yeah. on a Tuesday, yeah. on Monday. Tuesday. So the white one, they were road testing because early morning, because I did see it on 25 out in the snow. Okay. I was a little surprised that it was out and about because I saw the manufacturer plate on it. Right. And, you know, we're cruising up 25 at 75 miles an hour, and he was cruising there, and it, it did seem very stable given how icy it was. Um, so, you know. Well, they, they will, have, you know, they will, whether we like them or not, they will sell. Sure. They already have. Uh, so they will, they will be selling out of them. I, I can guarantee you that. Blue Oval person, and he was looking at a, the, uh, the electric Mustang, and he just shook his head and started crying. He said, I can't believe Ford put a Mustang name on that. I don't. I, yeah, that one I don't. Also, don't understand, Eric. I, I, uh, and I'm a car guy. I love them and so on, but I don't. I don't understand the, you know, the Mustang Mach One or whatever they're calling the thing as an EV. They, they should have come up with a different name for it because it, it's not a Mustang. Yeah, it, it's, it's not. Now it may well, be as fast but, as one, but it's still not a Mustang. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But anyhow, those are just a couple of random. No, thoughts I appreciate it. Point. No, good stuff. No, and you're probably. Sure. Fired up the Blue Oval guys. So, all right, let's get one more in here before we take our next break. Uh, Joe in Conifer has our question of the day. Go ahead, Joe. Hey, Tom, John, how you doing? Good, sir. Um, all right. When we were in high school, all of us wanted uh, high boy Fords. Oh yeah. I finally got it. I finally got a decent one about 25 years ago, and it's still my daily driver today. Awesome. Well, they're worth a lot of money too. Yeah. Yeah, well, this one she's showing her age, but uh, still worth money. I couldn't replace. I couldn't replace it for what people were offering me. So no. In uh, fact, uh, Joe, it. I will tell you that that's one of those vehicles that when you go and park it in certain places, as you know, you really got to keep your eye on it, or it won't be there. Uh, I've had my hub stolen off this truck. Uh, yeah. I, in fact, the whole thing will be stolen. You really got to watch that one. It's it's a very high oh, demand yeah. vehicle right now. Yeah, and I won't say how, but they're very easy to steal. Yes, they are. Want it, so. Yes, they are. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, you got to club that uh, one. Oh, yeah. No, but uh, it's been bulletproof, and I can't seem to kill it, so I'm going to keep nice. driving it. Good job. Awesome. Good answer, Joe. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate okay. it. All right, Randy, Susan, hang tight. We'll come right back. A line open, 303-477-5600. This is Drive Radio. For over 38 years, Geno's Auto Service has been serving Littleton and customers along the front range. Right now, you can take advantage of Geno's $74.99 four-wheel alignment special. Mention KLZ Radio, and they'll include a free inspection of your suspension. During the winter months, icy roads and potholes can damage your suspension, so it's worth getting it checked out. This month, get a $50 NAPA prepaid Visa gift card with a qualifying NAPA steering and suspension parts purchase of $250 or more. 
As members of Colorado Select Auto Care, Geno's backs up their service with Napa's nationwide peace of mind warranty. And Geno's continues to service Larry's Automotive customers. To make your life simpler, Geno's offers loaner vehicles so you can drop your car off and pick up when you're ready. Give them a call or go online to schedule an appointment and be sure to check out all their excellent Google reviews. They're AAA approved and located at Bowles and Platte Canyon in Littleton. Stop in today or visit them online at genosautoservice.com. That's Geno's with a J. Your next oil change could change the life of your vehicle forever. If you think that's a tall order, maybe you've been getting the wrong oil change. A BG Performance Oil Change BG. comes with a lifetime of engine and fuel system coverage and something else, peace of mind. Where do you find it? Find a shop in your neighborhood at BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. Because an oil change that offers a lifetime of peace of mind is a change worth making. BG. Avoid the pitfalls with Kevin Flesh. Picture this. You're in court before a judge and jury trying to get the at-fault party's insurance company to cover your hospital bills, and the defense attorney pulls out your medical records. Comparing what you said to the police at the scene of your injury to what your doctor transcribed, you've contradicted yourself. You start to get nervous. You don't want to look like an idiot, but you simply don't recall what you said to the police. That was a long time ago. KLC's personal injury attorney, Kevin Flesh of Flesh and Beck Law, prepares you for these kinds of questions so you never need to worry about what to say. Of course, the opposition will always try to call your credibility into question. But with Kevin Flesh, you always know exactly how to respond. Schedule a free consultation now at 303-806-8886. Kevin Flesh of Flesh and Beck Law. Trial tested. Trial ready. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us, guys. I appreciate it very much. And let's go right to the phones. Randy, you're holding the longest. Thanks for calling. What's going on, sir? Hey, hello, guys. Uh, I wanted to ask you about car batteries, if they're a simple deal or if they're a complex deal. What I mean by that is you got your cranking amps, your co-cranking amps. Mm-hmm. If you live in Hawaii or Florida or San Diego, you probably don't care about the co-crank amps. But oh, actually, the heat can be, like as you know, believe it or not, Randy, the heat can be as hard on it as the cold can. Actually, truthfully, yeah. heat is harder on a battery than cold is. You probably lose more battery yeah. right. in the summer than you do in the winter. Yeah, yeah. Now, that I, I didn't think about. I mean, you know, if, if you got a bad component, say, uh, but I, I figure the cold crank, you, you want the power because you, you got to stir up that uh, fluid. you got to get the oil moving. I, I used to watch that Gold Rush show, and they actually took a blowtorch yeah. and put it under the gas tank, which I thought was suicidal, but it was... <laughs> it probably had a diesel. They're probably, the, the they're probably heating the diesel fuel up. Oh, okay. Well, that's even more suicidal, but I guess, you know... Yep, when probably you what they were doing, because it gels up. Get, you wouldn't have to do that with gas. Heater. That's why I say it's a diesel, because you, you don't have yeah. to do that with gas. But I guess what I'm getting at, is it a complex thing or a simple thing, meaning this, if you got cold cranks and you live in a seasonal state and you got cranking amps, well, naturally, I'm going for the highest 
toe crank amps. Which, by the way, uh, real, real quick, Randy, doesn't necessarily mean you're getting a better battery. A lot of well, that is in quote-unquote yeah. marketing, and this is kind wow. of in, internal information, but you will find wow. that typically speaking, in, in a lot of cases, for example, your commercial-grade batteries that are more robust and have a a better internal componentry to them than what you'll find in a lot of the regular, you know, uh, retail car batteries, for example, you'll find that a lot of those commercial batteries will not have the high cold cranking amps that you'll get on the retail end, and it's all marketing. Yeah. I'll just give you that wow. right now. It's all marketing. The, the, you, you, wow. I mean, if you think about it this way, if your car only needs 250 cold cranking amps to start, why do you need 1,000? You don't. Well, yeah. Yeah. You don't. Yeah, you, 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 you know, the, the key there is buy the most stuff. robust battery you can for your application. That's how I look at it. Huh. So I always look for that high high cold. Crank. No, that's got, not necessarily the seven year. Not necessarily the best battery you can buy. Huh. Well, because my question was, why do they even put a? If the battery's not not complex, what I went by that was, you you get your cranking amps, you know, and then let's say it hits thirty two, your battery goes into this. Okay, well, you know, it's 32. We're going to give you all these all these extra amps here for cold crank. Then why even put CA on there? Just put what what it is. Marketing, as as marketing, Randy. Marketing, 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 marketing. Because they know that if somebody's looking at a battery and they feel like they can get extra money out of a you know battery that's got a thousand cold cranking amps versus 750 cold cranking amps, even though the battery yeah. at 750 might actually be a better battery, if they can sell more marketing wise at that a thousand mark, what do you think they're going to do? Right. Well, Die Hard just brought their Platinum back. It has seven. It's, that'll fit in my Jeep. It won't go in the car, but it's 740. And then uh, I think that one I got before I found out they came back was called a Dural Acid. It had 740 cold crank. But for instance, uh, I, I got I got a seven year battery in this one from Napa. It's got like 690 amps. That's for this little caliber that I'm driving. And more than enough. That's cold cranking. More than enough. So it's, it's plenty more, and I want that. Uh, I just wondered if it was if all if the cold cranking amps were always there at all time. I guess that'd be a simple way to ask ask it. Or does it go into a mode where well, you know, you don't need it, so we're not going to use it. But or if it, it's always there. So let, no, let's it's say, always okay, there. For instance, for, okay, because for instance, I had a '68 Chrysler 300, and I was told that car used to take like six, seven, eight seconds to start. And the mechanic I used at the time said it was a revolution. It's the way that car started. You know, it had that, that st- it wasn't going to turn with, with two seconds. It ju- I don't care if you put a new battery, new starter, everything. He said it was a revolution to the way the car turned, turned over, and that's why it's taking me the six, seven seconds. That's where I'm thinking, well, okay, I got 600 amps and I got 740. Will it start digging into that 740 since I need it? Because the revolutions are slower and it takes longer, which means your battery has to pump out longer. Does that make any sense to you? or No. A battery's a battery's a battery. Whatever it's rated at, they rate cold cranking amps at zero. They rate cranking amps at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Whatever stated on the battery is what it is. But, again, what I'm saying is high cold cranking amps or even high cranking amps doesn't necessarily mean the longevity of the battery and or the way it's made is any better. It's better as far as the amperage you've got to crank up right. the vehicle, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the longevity of the battery is even be- is any better. The other thing I like to look right. at in a battery is what's the reserve capacity of the battery because right. the reserve capacity okay. really tells you how well is the battery built. Yep. Well, it might come in handy because about two weeks ago, somehow I grabbed my winter jacket out of the back and hit one of those back. I got two dome lights in front and two in the back and then one in the right way back. But somehow my jacket must have hit one of them. Uh-huh. 
Uh, luckily, my battery's only nine months old, but luckily, I came out about eight or ten hours later and had a smoke and noticed my car was lit up. I thought it was a neighbor's house illuminating it, but you know me. I had to go walk and look. Sure enough, my light was on. So I immediately turned it off, started the car up, took it out for a half-hour drive to re- to re- reboot the battery. But is that where that reserve came in handy? Yes, yes. Yeah, and in fact, okay. and I'm, I'm even just for grins, Google does a high CCA battery last longer and uh, here is one sentence out of it. Choosing a high CCA battery can mean that you have to replace it less often. Can. Now, CCA decreases over can. time due to charge loss and other factors. So, again, I go back to my original statement. Just because a battery has a higher CCA does not necessarily right. mean it's a better battery. Right. But, but now, look, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I totally do agree with you. But look at it this way, and I spent probably another 120 bucks. I spent 200 bucks for my... My battery that, god dang people, radios, Motor City, put my window up. Anyway, the the guy I'm using for a mechanic to sell an interstate, so I said, what's your cold crank uh, for my car? And I think it was the, thing, I don't know if it was a car Jeep, but it was 550 Okay. Uh, and so the one I got, which was Duralast, I'm not a fan of it, but I didn't know Die Hard came back out, and I didn't take my butt to Napa. I didn't even know where it was, because I'm not driving around here, because you're going to get shot. But anyway, uh the point was that one had 550 cold crank, and the one I got had 740, I think, cold crank. So naturally, you know, I'm thinking, well, you, you get what you pay for. So I definitely got the the $300 battery over the $80 battery, and I just felt better that I had, you know, from 550 to 740 is a big difference. But it doesn't necessarily mean correct is what you're saying. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. All right. Well. Okay. And I'll keep that in mind. All right. Thank you guys Always very much. Always good, Randy. Appreciate day. it very much. Great question, by the way. Susan in Reno, Nevada. What's going on, Susan? Hey, well, I was just told I should call in, and you had a question about what was your favorite car. Yes, the question of the day. Favorite car before you got your driver's license. Yes. Well, I am a child of the you know 70s. I was a teenager then, so I wanted a Mustang, yeah. an older Mustang. Okay. But um, I had a baby, and I got a Gremlin. Ah! Ha! So. <laughs> The baby or the car? That's a big change. Yeah, yeah. Was it the car or the baby, Susan? It was the baby, but I like to remember as the Gremlin was the family version of the Mustang. Yeah, you know, AMC did a pretty good job of marketing that car and and actually did fairly well with the sales of that car as well. And there were some pretty, back in the day, some pretty fast Gremlins that were actually probably faster than the Mustangs of the day. Yep. That's true. And what makes it distinctive for me is, like, I don't know cars. But you see a 60s Mustang, and everybody goes, oh, that's right. a Mustang. But, and you see a Gremlin, and everybody goes, oh, that's a Gremlin. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good, ooh. Well, the Gremlins, believe it or not, and no, I, I would have never guessed this, but they're actually becoming, because of their rarity and the fact that a lot of them didn't survive over the years, they got crushed and so on because people just didn't see the value of them. Because of that and the fact there's not that many around, their prices are up. Probably, oh, I, 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 should, I would have to look and compare this. They're probably, if you just look at a regular old standard Mustang, I'll bet a Gremlin's worth more money than a regular standard Mustang. And I'd have to double-check all that. But especially some of the V8 Gremlins definitely would be. Okay, well, I'm depressed now. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, as we go back in time and look at the cars we had and then got rid of, if we'd have kept them, you know... It'd be nice. But. There's there's a lot of depressed people out there over the cars that they got rid of. I mean, I'm, just for example, I just pulled up, you know, Gremlins for sale, Susan, and, and you know, non, 
you know, nothing super fancy, just a regular gremlin with a V8. They're, they're anywhere from, you know, 15, 14, 15K or so, and there's nothing special about these cars, and there's some Mustangs you could buy for that same money. But they were special. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they held baby seats really, really well. The uh, by the way the the I think they called them Gremlin GTXs. Don't quote me on that. Gremlin I'd have to double X. check myself. Was a Gremlin X, not a GTX? Yeah. The, the Gremlin, Gremlin Xs X. are worth a fortune. Yeah. They came with a, I believe a four hundred one. Were they four hundred ones? I think they were four hundred ones. I believe I believe the Gremlin Xs had four hundred ones, but and I don't remember the exact name. But they yeah they're they're worth a ton of money. Okay. Well, I'm going to go home and cry now. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> It was, I, and, it was, and, and Jeff is right. It was called the Gremlin X package, and it had the yep. stripe down the side and different wheels and so on. And, yeah, they're, those cars are worth a lot of money because there's hardly any around. Yeah. You can't find them. Same thing, the old, the old yeah. uh, uh, AMC Javelins are worth a lot of money AMX. as well. AMXs are worth a bunch. Yeah, they're worth a ton. Yeah. yeah. That's one of those AMCs were, were that is. Cars. Yeah, they were. Yep. Yep. But anyway, that's all I had no, to say. No, good stuff. No, Susan, thank you for calling. I appreciate it very yeah. much. Enjoy yourself in Reno. Hopefully your weather's a little warmer than ours. Ours is supposed to warm up today, but so far it's only like 45 degrees outside. So, hey, lines are open. Call us. We'll get you right on air. 303-477-5600. Myself, Jeff Kitty. We'll be right back. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Hello, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with Kins and Leslie Distributing, your local BG Products distributor. Back again this week with your BG Tech Tip. You may not realize it, but wintertime can be most dangerous for your air conditioning system. You see, when the air is cold outside, you probably don't realize that your AC system is low on refrigerant. When your AC system is low on refrigerant, it is also low on lubrication. You see, a 10% loss in refrigerant actually represents a 40% loss in the lubricating oil in your air conditioning system. So, it is absolutely critical to make sure that you check your air conditioning system for leaks every single year. Any certified repair shop should be able to pressure test your system and check for leaks. And in doing so, you make sure that you always have the proper lubrication for your AC compressor and you never experience those hot, sweltering days without air conditioning. Thanks again, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with BG Products. We'll talk to you again next week. Call Novus Auto Glass as soon as you notice a chip or crack in your windshield so they can save you more money. Novus Auto Glass wants to help you save more money by repairing chips and cracks whenever possible. With their patented glass repair technology, Novus can tackle tougher cracks than the competition. In some cases, they can repair cracks up to a foot long, but you have a much better chance at getting a repair when you act fast. Glass repair is more complicated than you think. Something as simple as going through a car wash could make your little chip or crack unfixable. No matter what sort of damage you're dealing with, though, there's never any risk with a Novus repair. Should your windshield repair fail, they will credit the cost toward a replacement. Novus works with all insurance companies, and for those without windshield coverage, Novus will give you a discounted cash price. It's simple. Novus Autoglass saves you more money. Visit drive-radio.com slash Novus now and find the windshield repair expert nearest you. Novus Autoglass, the inventors of windshield repair.
Paul Lewinberger with American National Insurance offers a rebate program unlike any other. Every year that you don't file a claim, you get a certain percentage of your money back. Just one example of how Paul Lewinberger, the personal insurance agent of John Rush, keeps your rates so low. He rewards his customers for their diligence and responsibility. Paul can also help you strategize about when to file a claim and when to pay out of pocket so you save more money in the long run. You don't want to shop online for insurance because you have no idea what you're buying. You need Paul Lewinberger with American National, the no surprises insurance agent. Call 303-662-0789. That's 303-662-0789. And ask Paul Lewinberger with American National Insurance for details about his unique rebate program for home and auto insurance. Talk to somebody with the expertise to advise you so you get the coverage you expect. For those select few who still care about how the animals were raised and cared for, Barber'sFoods.com is perhaps the last place in Colorado you can go to buy air-chilled chicken, locally raised beef and bison, premium Duroc pork, and wild-caught salmon that are all sourced from families that they know personally. Let's face it, some things in life are gone and never likely to ever come back, like houses in Denver that cost less than $100,000 or knowing your neighbor well enough to borrow a cup of sugar. But thanks to Barber's Foods, you can still know where your food comes from. Go to barbersfoods.com and click on April Specials at the top of the page to find ground beef and air-chilled chicken breast on sale. And for Mother's Day on May 9th, they have Mom's Favorite Beef Filet Tenderloins on sale. Some things are long gone, but you can still buy your meats from a local Colorado-owned family business. Barbersfoods.com, connecting you to your food since 1949. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it very much. Russ in Cheyenne, you are next, sir. Hey, how's it going? Good, sir. Okay, first off, question of the day. I used to have a guy live down the street from me that had a sixty or a 63 split window. Oh, wow. And that was, the thing is, it was poo brown. Yeah. And it was still gorgeous. Yeah, I was going to say, who cares now? It doesn't matter the color. <laughs> that makes no difference now. And I they are worth a fortune, yeah, I as can, you know. I'll never be able to afford one. It's, yeah, yeah well, I couldn't um, afford them back then. I still can't afford one. There's just the lines on that car just I know. can't be duplicated. Really good looking. Um, I had a, a couple of things with that guy that's having trouble with yes. his drive line. Yes. Um, one of the other things he should do is, as you know, the money you put in directly relates to the quality of the parts you get. And you can buy the best drive shaft in the world and buy cheap U-joints and have issues all day long. Mm-hmm. True. Um, and the other thing is if his his drive shaft angles are off, he was saying that it's just getting worse. There's a very good possibility he's just burned up his U-joints, too. Um, when you overspeed them, you can get those flat spots on the roller bearings. They'll still feel tight, but they're not good inside. Right. Well, Dodge was notorious for using that real small U-joint. In yeah, those that's vans. what I was. Those small caps just—they overspeed real easy. So, yep. yeah, um, great point. So he might just look at that. You, if you use a really good, high-quality um, U-joint, that'll help a lot. The little Chinese ones just—they just aren't the same. They don't last as no, long. No, and to your point, Russ, and I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, and I'm not trying to throw anybody that does drive shafts, you know, under the bus, but I can just tell you from all the years of being. 
you know, shop owner and doing the things we did and so on that, you know, it was always, 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 and I believe it is still today, an issue finding somebody that really understands how to do drive lines properly. Anybody can go buy the machine that cuts it and they re-weld it and so on, but getting that done correctly, it, to right. me, was always a challenge, and I think it still is today. Well, and the thing is, is you know, you <laughs> It doesn't matter who it is. They can throw somebody in a spot that really doesn't know what they're doing. They can take it till they make it. I mean, we, I mean, we, uh, we had certain vehicles back in the day, Russ. I'm sure it's still this way now. Uh, you know, Jeff could attest this. Where I, we would not buy a remanufactured or rebuilt shaft. Period. If there was a problem with the shaft itself, and we couldn't put U joints in it ourselves as a shop for whatever reason, we bought new. We didn't do anything reman. Yeah. Rebuilt. Jeeps. <laughs> Jeeps being one of them. There's yep. Toyota, Toyota was another one. There, there are certain Toyota Tacomas we would not do a rebuilt shaft in because they'd always vibrate. Yeah. Yeah, I just I feel bad for the guy. He's done all that, but yep. it, it literally could be something just as simple as he's built a high-quality shaft and they just stuck cheap U-joints yeah. in it. Well, yeah, or, or like you said, he's got an angle. Pro, you know, There's the number of things. What's, what's disappointing is that he has been to a couple of different shops, sounds like even some quote-unquote you know, high-end shops, and I will tell you there's a lot of high-end shops out there but when it comes to certain things driveline related, they may be a really great high-end shop but can't fix these things. Well, and it, I don't know if that one's a two-piece drive shaft, but that's just getting into that much more crap, too. Well, he indicated that it was because he said something about a carrier bearing. Right, which even makes it oh, worse. Yeah. So, and in that case, if it's I mean, got a carrier bearing, you want the transmission to come straight into the carrier bearing, and the carrier bearing, carrier bearing drops down into the rear diff and it changes yeah. everything so that's a whole that's a whole nother ball game yep you know and sometimes with those two you can also switch over to a cv joint yep at the back of that carrier that's right and carrier bearing yeah well you, you eliminate the carrier too. bearing altogether put a cv joint coming out of the back of the transmission and, and since he's got yeah. a gear vendors you could probably do that and he may end up having to do that to make it work yeah it just it's the i don't know it's it can just be the littlest things that can really yep. screw stuff up so. yep and i I've seen where the front motor mounts have collapsed and created driveline issues. So, yeah, because yeah. of the way that well, thing had, is yeah. suspended. Yeah, I had a uh, Firebird sure. that had a broken motor mount, and it allowed everything to twist enough that it did the same yep. deal. It, it gave you a good vibration. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Makes so. sense. No, these are great points. Sometimes great points. Look yep. at the other end. Yep. No, good stuff so. for us as always. All right. Appreciate it, man. Have a great afternoon. Eric in Denver is next. Welcome, Eric. Hey, you guys. Uh, good show. I want to throw in my two cents on the question of the day. Let's hear it. Okay. Um, when I was in junior high, before I got my license, my uncle had one of these cars, and the man next door had one, and they were both red, and it was a Roadrunner. Yeah. Uh, oh, that, yeah. That was the coolest car in the world, man. I'd go gaga over that car. Yeah. And... Um, you know, on the hood, on the right and left side, there was this little ridge that came up. I don't know what you call that, but it said 383. Mm -hmm. They were the most of them had 383s in them. Mm -hmm. Yep. But that would be my favoriteest car of all time ever. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't think many of us would argue with you on that one, Eric. That was yeah, very fine car. One of the one you know of the better what? looking cars probably ever. I think so. And for the bang for the buck, it was one of the cheapest ones. It really was, yeah. Yeah, it was a cool car. The interiors kind of fell apart pretty fast. Yeah, they but, did. But other than that, 
Uh, and then all another crazy thing, you know how you said it was really a good-looking car? Back in those days, everybody wanted to put a hood ornament on their car. I know. But on a road runner, on a road runner, they would never put a hood ornament because it messes it up. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, and then also, there's kind of a body uh, flaw. I don't know if I call it a flaw, but you know, on the back wheel well, the back. If you look at a stock one on a picture, the back wheel well comes down real low. Yeah, it does. So you, you, you can only put skinny tires That's on. That's right. Yep. That's right. But everybody wanted to put back in those days. Everyone wanted to put mags and fat tires. Mm-hmm. So my uncle did this, and the man next door did this too. They actually had to cut part of the wheel well off. Yep. Yeah. Um, and fill it in with bondo and paint it, and it never really looked, you know, good. No. No. <laughs> no. Great point. Great but, point. Yeah. The- the, the Superbirds were the ones, too, that with the big wing in the back that were also had different front end and the wing in the back. They were, again, today, very, very rare car worth a ton of money. Oh, you mean the Super Bees? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would think so. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, there was kind of a rivalry, too, between guys who had a Camaro with a 327, you know? <laughs> of course, yes. Yeah. And, and the guys who had the Roadrunners with a 383, the guys in the Camaros were always going, well, my car's faster than that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I would assume that the Roadrunner is faster. I don't know. What do you think? Or... That, that's a tough one. That one probably comes down to driver as much as anything, Eric. Driver and what's, what the engine has and stuff like that. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I personally think... Well, yeah, and by the way, what year What year were you looking at? Because there was a variation of years of that car. What year was in the driveway? Um, oh, geez, I don't remember. Um, I was in junior high. Um, let's see, I was born in 58, so... Probably late 60s, early probably 70s? Probably 69. 69, 70? I yeah, think 68 69 were the best. Best years. And again, you know, to answer that question really does even comes down to the year because back then there were so many changes, even horsepower wise, from one year to the next that you almost have to know the exact year to know that answer. Yeah, but I I have a tendency to think that the Camaro was faster, though, because it's a lighter car. It is lighter. uh, Even though though it only had a 327 and it was more aerodynamic, too. So, you know. Yes. Well, and even that with the uh, '69 Z28 with the 302, that oh. was that was a fast was car, very fast car. Yes. So uh, even was, though I like the even though I like the Roadrunners more, I still have a tendency to think the Camaros are faster. Well, it just depends on who's driving. Yeah, I think yeah. It, what yeah, well, what I, day what year week it is, is and so on exactly how it's set up. Yeah. Okay, you Good guys. Stuff. Well, I just wanted to throw yeah, my no, two cents in on that it. one. Appreciate it, Thank Eric. You. Good stuff. Buck and Cheyenne is next. Buck, welcome. Good morning. How are we doing, sir? Nice day. Thank you. Good. I got a couple items. I guess the first one would be, uh, and this will kind of show my age, uh, my uh, ultimate car back when would have been a 55 or 56 Ford Crown Victoria. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that was... Uh, I, I, I that, they had lots of chrome on them. Yes, they and, did. Uh, they weren't they weren't fast, but they were pretty. Girls all liked them. They, they were a good looking so, car. Yeah, uh, I got a question about the Warren Mangason Act. The Mangason Moss uh, Act. I'm kind of a 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What do you need to know? I'm curious. Does that affect agricultural manufacturers or strictly carp things? Every manufacturer. Every manufacturer. Well, I have a lot of friends in ag that are having a terrible time uh, getting their stuff repaired because the uh, implement manufacturers don't want to give out some of the. Oh, uh, you're talking. You must be talking about John Deere, Buck. All of them. Well, John Deere's the worst. <laughs> yeah, John Deere's the worst. Yeah. And I know this. It's just, this is. There's been many an article. So everybody listening, I'm not attacking them. It's been many an article written about John Deere and how they handle things, and they are probably Buck. Gosh, they're probably not doing anything illegal. Although I will tell you that I think they're doing things immoral when it comes to their customer base. Let me yeah. say it that way. Well, we got uh, – it's getting to the point now that a lot of uh, – I'm kind of out of it, but uh, uh, a lot of my friends that are still in it are going back to the older model tractors. That's right. That don't have yep. so much stuff in them. The older model tractors are worth a fortune anybody, now. You, you can't get anybody to uh, – fix the new ones unless you go to factory reps well there and you have to wait two three four days five right. maybe a week to get somebody out to look at it they're right. running into the same thing that the the independents are gonna are running into on the new cars you know everything's vin sensitive and when it comes to ag man you've got uh i was just watching some youtube stuff on that and there's some sensors that have to be activated or red VIN verified on the on the tractor yep. and in order to do that the only ones that can do that is the dealer and if you got to pay to have a combine or something like that taken into the dealer just to get a VIN verified or implanted into a, a computer that that's wrong I'm sorry they should they should have a service that they come out and do it for you. Yeah, Period. It's, it's a mess. Basically, you get into some of these uh, smaller communities where they've had, you know, they have one or two good mechanics that work on everything. Yeah. You used to be able to fix your tractor or yep. combine. Nobody can do it now. Yep. Yeah, and, and by the way, that was all design on design's part by John Deere, and, and there were, and there are, to my knowledge, Buck, some foreign uh, folks out there that are uh, giving access to some of what you're talking about through back channels, dark web, places like that, where these farmers can actually get access to what they need to fix uh, their tractors. But, yeah, John Deere is doing everything they possibly can to shut all that down. And, 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 and by the way, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll say it straight up. It's criminal. The way John Deere is handling things and handling their customer base, in my opinion, is criminal. You can't prosecute them for it, but it's a bunch of crap. Well, they're not the – Green is it's probably the worst, but uh, Case IH, yep. they're they're all no Case Cat. I mean, I can run down the list. They're all kind of in that same way. And here's why, Buck. And this is this is for everybody listening. Uh, here's why: there's no legislation like we have in the aftermarket in in the auto parts, uh, you know, end of things. So, so years ago, just for real quick, I know I'm running out of time here. I got to take a break, but real quick, in the world of the aftermarket, when it comes to auto repair in the United States of America, our trade association and a lot of in- individuals, and some of us even here from Drive Radio, did a lot to get the information, the Right to Repair Act, passed 
in Congress so that we in the aftermarket would have access to the things we need to fix vehicles, thereby making it, you know, basically even the playing field to some extent, not fully, but it helped even the playing field with the dealers when it came to taking care of vehicles once they were out of warranty. Unfortunately, Buck, no one in the ag industry has been able to do what we did collectively in the automotive industry, and they have literally screwed themselves because they didn't do that. Well, and they're not a, they're not as bigger group of people. Well, they actually probably are. They just haven't been as collective well, as we were. But the the pro, the repair oh, shops are the ones that went after. Correct. So we're I mean, too it's, hard-headed and individualistic. Yes, and they should have combined. They should have combined we, all of their we, resources, Buck, and did what we did in the automotive after, aftermarket to get that done. Because now they're up against you know they're up against a wall. There's nothing they can do. Yep. There's no legislation yeah, that's helping them right now. Well, and they're not going to get any right now. No, either. they're not. And especially like, uh, this administration, are not going to get it for yeah. sure. Not going to happen. But but I uh, I'm glad you mentioned the ones the after the dark web stuff i have been doing a little snooping around and have seen some ads for some stuff yeah yep. and from what i can gather from you uh some of that may work yes it's legit it works yes it's there yep. it's just reverse engineered That's software right. well some of them have the original software okay. which is it's just the way they they work across the web to even hook you up to get you help that you need so buck i'll, I'll run with that okay. good stuff good comments by the way yep. and yeah it's a crime what these equipment manufacturers and i'm one of the uh people at times that's uh, uh at the mercy of them when the it comes to this yeah, i'm the recipient of some of this so I, I understand firsthand all of this and it's a bunch of garbage lynn and littleton will come right back drive radio klz 560 most oil changes are the same Old oil out, new filter, new oil in. It's a routine, a chore on the to-do list. What if your oil change wasn't the same as the rest? What if it was life-changing? BG. A BG oil change can change your life because it comes with free lifetime protection for your engine and fuel system, which means a lifetime of peace of mind for you. Find a shop near you at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. BG. No one likes to be that person. You know the one stuck on the side of the road, busted tire, making everyone slow down to get around them. With Legacy Automotive's new tire sales, you don't have to be that person ever. Here in our Colorado climate, you might be closer to needing new tires than you think. A bad set of tires can be dangerous and even life-threatening. Tires should be regularly examined for cracks, bulges and blisters, and other signs of wear and tear on your vehicle. The skilled team at Legacy Automotive in Boulder will be able to examine your current set of tires, let you know what they recommend based on what they find, and help you get on the road. Legacy Automotive is a Napa Gold certified auto care shop and employs ASC certified technicians. So don't be that guy and make an appointment at Legacy Automotive today at 303-396-0555 or visit them online at LegacyAutomotive.com. Legacy Automotive, locally grown auto repair. Hunting down that hard-to-find part for an out-of-the-ordinary car can be quite a time-consuming chore. Unless, of course, you just go around the corner to your local Napa Auto Parts store, where we have over 310,000 parts, all of them made to fit and perform just like the original. Yeah, there are people who say it's the journey and not the destination, but those people have never tried to find an alternator for an 82 Fiat on a Saturday. Go to NapaOnline.com for the location nearest you. Napa, get the good stuff.
All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it very much. Lynn and Littleton, you are next. Have you uh, noticed that uh, you're, I'm starting to see a lot of the old Mac Kenworth and Pete uh, Peterbilt cabovers that are coming back on the road, and I'm assuming it's because of the cost yes. of what a new yes. semi costs. You have no death, you have no emissions, no cats. Yep. Um, There's actually a name for that. They actually put... Uh, I can't remember exactly the name for that, but they've got a name whereby you actually take an old chassis, retrofit it with all of the new gear underneath, where it may look like an old truck, but it's actually a new truck. You used to call them glider kits. That's what it is. There, thank you for that. Yes, it's a glider kit. Okay. So it's actually that and is something that's happening on a regular basis, to your point. Yeah, it's called a glider kit. They recycle some of the old components of an old uh, right. truck to be able to get past some of the emissions and other stuff that's happening on the new vehicles. And it's a, it's a real cost-effective way for a lot of the smaller fleets to operate. Well, and I don't think they're using them a lot for over the road, but mostly for local. I mean, I, I've been seeing a lot of them here in the Denver area. Yeah, the glider kits are very popular because of what we're talking about. Yeah, so... There's no, no you know, they don't have to run EGR, they don't have to run the DEF. Uh, they'll get better economy that way. There's a lower cost of overall ownership. I mean, there's a lot of things you get by doing the glider kit you don't get from buying a new truck. And it's a fraction of the and, cost of buying a new truck. And when they're registering them, is it licensed based on the original yes. age of the chassis? Or? Yes. Wow. Okay. That's why they're doing it. So they're, they're you know, again, as a smaller operator, you know, that maybe is running, you know, 15, 20 trucks, they can do that a lot cheaper than they can going buying, you know, new equipment. Okay. Well, that's just my comment. There you go. And that's why they're doing it. No, great comment. That's why they're doing it. So appreciate that. No, that's exactly some of the stuff we're talking about, even when it comes to, you know, John Deere and Cat and some of those guys on the ag side. Uh, Same thing's happening even on some of the big truck stuff because, again, they don't follow under the same Right to Repair Act that a regular motor vehicle does. And that's where the ag industry, as I said earlier uh, to, to Buck up in, up in Cheyenne, the ag industry has not done a very good job of collectively getting together and lobbying and pushing Congress to come through with an act, thereby forcing these manufacturers to allow them to have access to the information they need to fix the vehicle. The tractor, whatever it is. Well, and it's, it's like GM. You used to be able to buy a uh year subscription to their updates and stuff like that now it's 75 i believe it's 75 dollars a vehicle and that subscription only lasts for 18 months and that was again and that, it's vin sensitive yeah the, the original wording i believe of the motor vehicle repair acts it's something along the lines of fair or something something to that effect as far as the information goes but there was nothing in there set with pricing or anything along those lines so i think something along the lines of you know had to be fair pricing or something i had to go back and read the the law again but it's something along those lines but it you know it's so who determines fair is the question yeah. that's my point well it's, and i don't who, have that answer who pays uh, we do the consumer the consumer does uh we've got a few facebook answers by the way on our question of the day that ann put up one says a mustang one of the older ones from the late 60s. No, I never got one. I had a baby. Oh, this was actually Susan called in and said this. And, and she was the one that called in and talked about the gremlin. So, Susan, thank you for putting that on Facebook as well. I appreciate that very much. So we've had several other comments on Facebook. Thank you for doing that. And you can keep doing that there. You can text us the answers. 
question of the day, which is when you were young, before you got your driver's license, what's one of those vehicles that you always wanted? Did you get it? Did you not get it? If you got it, were you disappointed? Were you happy? How did that work out? So you can, again, answer that with us directly, 303-477-5600, or you can text us those answers, 307-200-8222, and we appreciate that very much. So a few things that I did have in store for you guys today that we talked a little bit about this last week, but one thing that I have... And we talked about wheels and things like that. I'll get back to that as well today if I can get some time. We talked about hub-centric wheels and so on. But one thing I wanted to talk about today as well, if we get some time here in this last hour, is headlights and even headlight bulbs. And I have done some, how should I say this, some reviewing on my end, on my old Dodge truck, my 04 Dodge truck, on different bulbs and so on. And I, you, and by the way, for everybody else listening, if you're confused by what to buy when you go to do an upgrade of an LED or something along those lines and you're confused, yeah, I get it. There's a gazillion choices. Some are good, some are bad. Uh, some vehicles, you have to be very careful in the actual bulbs that you put in them. For example, my 04 Dodge, I did go ahead and order and I bought some of the LED upgrade lamps. I put them in and they suck. Why do they suck? Well, because half the time I get the lamp out warning that shows up on the dash when, in fact, the lights are on, which means they're not giving the right resistance to tell the system that they're there. They also have the crappiest high beam beam pattern I've ever seen. I realize it's not just the beam pattern of the bulb that goes with the reflector as well, but I am actually going to take those out this weekend and go back to just a regular you know, the ultimate brightest 9007 bulb I could actually find I bought from Sylvania, and I'm just going to go back to regular Sylvania bulbs because the LEDs so far that I've tried are awful. They're junk. So if some of you out there have used some good LEDs and they actually work, let us know. We'll pass that around. You can call in and tell us. But I will tell you right now, from my own experience, some of these LEDs are not worth buying. No. They're junk. (laughs) Uh, I can't d- disagree with that. Now, where I what I haven't tried, and again, this would be for some of you listening could call in and let us know. What I have not tried is there are complete assembly replacements for headlamps that will then come with a either a uh, you know a high discharge lamp or LEDs built in. I haven't gone that route mainly because I'm cheap, and on this truck I didn't want to spend the you know four or five hundred dollars it takes to do the new headlamps. So I haven't gone that route, but I'd like to know from some of you listening, are some of those higher end, you know, high intensity discharge, you know, lamp kits where you're buying the whole assembly and or the LED lamp assemblies, are they any better than just the bulbs you insert? Because so far the bulbs you insert from what I've seen on my application are junk and don't work. So if you've got some experience with any of that, you want to chime in and call in, let me know, 303-477-5600. I'm giving you my opinion of what I've gone through so far. And right now, I will tell you right now, again, I'm going back to the regular bulbs because I know they work. Yep. So we'll come back, got another full hour coming your way. Any other questions, let us know, 303-477-5600. Drive Radio, myself, Jeff Kitty, Charlie Grimes, your engineer, and Larry Unger answering phones. We'll be right back. This is Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Still haven't had enough? Go to drive-radio.com, email your questions and comments, download previous programs, and find lots of useful information, including your nearest Colorado Select Auto Care Center. That's drive-radio.com. 
Thanks for listening to Drive Radio, sponsored by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers on KLZ 560.